Welcome back to Rule Number Three, the podcast committed to an asshole-free workplace. I'm your host, Eric Harkins, founder and president of GKG Search and Consulting and author of the book, Great Leaders Make Sure Monday Morning Doesn't Suck. This is part two of our conversation with Michael Kithcart. If you weren't able to listen in to episode one, uh, Michael is a high-performance leadership and sales coach. She is the creator of Winning Your Way, uh, method and a podcaster and keynote speaker. So, uh, Michael, welcome back to uh, the second part of our conversation. Part one was a lot of fun and looking forward to this conversation as well. Yes, time flies when I'm talking with you, Eric. <laughs> it's always fun. I know I look down I'm like, well, all right, we better wrap things up. So, so let's start with something I'm just, we've never talked about this. I've known you for years and uh, we've met a few times. Um, when you were in college, mm -hmm. your dream goal was to do play-by-play -play in the NFL and eventually own the New York Giants. So yeah. I have so many questions. First of all, why the New York Giants and not the Minnesota Vikings? Because I should have done a little more due diligence on my guests, but that's okay. And how does somebody who grew up and went to college in North Dakota like the New York Jets? And so, I mean, there's just so many questions, but what a cool dream to have. Now, I love how you talk about some of the struggles as a woman in a male dominated field, especially, you know, it's gotten better over the years, but certainly, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you didn't see many, you know, female sports guys. So I'll stop talking, but I'm so uh, interested in this. Um, tell us, you know, how that dream came to be your dream when you were in college. Yes. Well, and let's just, uh, it's still a dream, right? You know, yeah. hey, it's never too old, not. never too late to be what you might've been. We ended but, part one of our conversation with that. So, uh. that that's exactly it. Yes. Uh, to date, I still do not own the New York Giants and some would question why we want to. Uh, well, <laughs> did you, uh, did you have, sorry, side note, did you happen to see Michael Jordan just sold his ownership stake in the Charlotte Hornets? No. He bought it for 175 million and sold it for 1.5 billion. So that would be why you'd want to own the New York Giants. But yeah, crazy. Yes, yes, that that, that that's a good uh, reason why. But um, yeah. why I had the dream was not even thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, my family's originally from New York. Uh, when okay. I was younger, we lived in different places in New York and and Ohio and. You know, I just yeah. always wanted to live in New York when I was yeah. growing up. I did end up living in New York uh, later, you know, in my adult life and everything. So Very I cool. just always loved the Giants, even though yeah. I was living in Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, yeah. You know, by the time I was in high school, I went to college there and became a sports writer. And that's where I wanted to be the first play-by-play, uh, uh, -play, you know, even now today, um, more and more we see women on the sidelines as yeah. part of the coaching teams, certainly uh, on TV, uh, but there's still a lot of times providing some of the color commentary. Play-by-play yeah. -play is it. Yeah. That is like yeah. a dream. And I will just share that my dream was shattered because Gail Searins uh, from Tampa yeah. was the first woman to do NFL play-by-play. Okay. That might be like a trivia question. Yeah, I think it is a good one. Answer. And she only did it for one year and she didn't even want, that wasn't like her dream okay. because I was in college and she did what I wanted to do. So I called yeah. her. Okay. I called her and said, wow. 
how in the world did you get to do? And she talked to me. Yeah. She taught, I mean, like she was a big time newscaster in Tampa. And Very cool. uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. you know, well, Hey, it's never too late to be what you might've been. So I will look forward to, uh, <laughs> for those of you who aren't from Minnesota, I'm based in Minnesota. Paul Allen is our, you know, play-by-play guy for uh, the Minnesota Vikings. So I look forward to you and Paul calling a Vikings game uh, side by side <laughs> here at some point. So That'd we'll make great. that happen. So I worked right. with PA when I was at iHeart. So it, oh yeah, so yeah. Let's. Uh, I mean, we we talked a little bit about your background, and and again, for those of you who didn't have a chance to listen to the first part of our conversation, just a really cool background: sales, coaching, COO. You know, you've you've held a lot of different roles. Um, one of the things that you talk about that I want to jump into is a few ways you can be purposeful in your day. And in our first conversation, you know, first part of our conversation, we were talking about energy and positivity and the importance of not worrying and and that. But there's five things that you talk about. And so I want to kind of unpack each one. So you you wrote a blog, you talk about it, these you know, few ways you can be personal. And the first one is bring the right energy. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about what that means. Yes. And in that context, it's like, it's about living on purpose versus living a purpose because your purpose mm. changes in life. Right. So if you like, if you're living on purpose, yeah, yeah. Um, bringing the energy means deciding before you go on a podcast, how are you going to show up before sure. you walk into a meeting, you have a conversation with somebody like what yeah. kind of excitement, enthusiasm, appropriate energy are you going to bring to a situation? Sure. That's, awesome. That's something you can you can control in any given moment. Yeah. Yep. And it makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your second one, help more. And there's there's more to it, but but the you know intro to it is just help more. Uh, talk yes. to us about that. It's like the opposite of complaining, right? So mm. if you notice that you're complaining and you're pointing fingers, it's like okay, what can you do to help that situation? Sure. Yeah. And it could also be as simple as maybe you're having kind of a crummy day. Help somebody. Help yeah. them, you know, put groceries in a car, open a door. I mean, it's just common courtesy, but yeah. sometimes we have to be reminded of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, when we see it now, it stands out because right? mm-hmm. it's it it's unique. So uh, number three, have more discussions on value and meaning. I love that. So, So tell me more about that. Yes. Quit with the small talk. Yeah. Like ask the questions you've been pondering, but have been afraid to ask. Engage with people. Ask them what they really think about something and care about the response. Let's just not have elevator chat. Let's let's go deep quick. Yeah. No, I love that. And, you know, I I tell a story in, in my last role in corporate America. I had an interim role where I was still leading HR, but I was kind of overseeing stores. And so I was doing a lot of travel. I was talking to a lot of, you know, part-time, full-time employees. And I asked every single, every single person I met, I asked them the same question. What's the worst part about working here? Mm-hmm. And it was like, I really want to know. And once mm-hmm. you, you know, people realize like, no, it's, this isn't just a, I'm interested. Like, I really want to know when they start talking to you, you can get into some pretty deep conversations. So I love that one. Sure. Uh, the fourth one is volunteer. Yes. Yes. Oh. We are, you know, so many are so fortunate and uh, there's 
whether it's a kid's baseball team you coach for, whether it's, you know, stocking a food shelf, there's something about giving back and expecting absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. in return. Yeah. But just giving of yourself in a different way that actually is energizing and fulfills that purpose piece, right? Without you having to like dig deep of, is this my meaning in my life? Just, you know, kind of goes with help, but it's a little bit different because volunteering is a little more on the commitment side. Sure. So, and and I encourage people, I, I encouraged myself. I will realized I wasn't volunteering enough and and recently committed to a new uh, volunteer role. So, yeah, yeah, no, I think that's great. And then the last one, number five, journal gratitude. So uh, as an author, I appreciate that one, but I'd love to hear, you know, how you use that in your coaching and how do you find that journaling can, can help leaders, you know, become better. Journaling helps you find your voice. Yeah. It just, I mean, flat out does. Yeah. And taking a few minutes every day to not o- orchestrate it, to just actually like free flow of thought and to do it with pen and paper, not typing, it yeah. engages a different part of your brain. I mean, it will unlock what's deep in your subconscious. And yeah. that get, that is the most valuable information any of us, of us can harvest is, you know, really. And, and the gratitude piece on that, on the journaling is so much research shows that people who have a gratitude practice, whether it's verbal or written down, but you consistently are identifying the things that you're grateful for in life, that you are a happier person. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. I believe that is true. So you know, you you do so much coaching. That's your core business now. You've you've mm-hmm. been a coach for years. Um, you you talked about your coaching, and and I want to get this right. But you said coaching came from my journey of learning about myself and striving to do better as a leader and a person. And so, you know, did you find that that was just a natural thing for you? But I, I, that just sort of stuck out at me. And then you went on to say your road of self-discovery and improvement continues to evolve. And I think that's a really important thing I want to talk about is I don't, I don't think it's ever over, is it right? I mean, no. this is a journey and we're, we're, we're never not learning. So, right. Right. Yeah. Those, you know, continuous improvement, uh, a commitment to evolving and growing is essential. Like we, we work with leaders, so it's essential for leaders. I think it's essential for us as humans. Yeah. And, uh, and so I always want, I want people to know that I share what I've learned along the way in hopes that it'll be how there'll be pieces that are helpful to you. Yeah. And that my growth continues. So if I'm challenging you to up-level your leadership effectiveness, if I'm challenging you to step into the person you are truly capable of becoming, please know I'm doing the same damn work. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, and I think we... We lose that at times, right? And and I think that that genuine and authentic leader that we talked about earlier, you know, understands, hey, and is humble and vulnerable. You use the word vulnerable 
to admit, listen, I actually think the best thing that a high performer could hear from their leader is, I don't know what we need to do. I need your help. Tell me what we need to do. That's when you start to really see the value. Listen, I trust and, and respect you. So I, I think that's a, a big one. And and do you find um, what what keeps people from from having that vulnerability? What do you think keeps that leader from saying, I don't have all the answers? Uh, confidence is one, is one, uh, yeah. you know, and vulnerability is such a big, it's such a big word. Yeah. I struggle to say it sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's one of the biggest things that I've had to learn on my journey. Yeah. Sometimes it is, I'll say for me, what I had to learn is that I didn't, I didn't think that people wanted to know mm. like what I thought or what I felt. Mm. And that was such a, a gap and a blind spot for me. Yeah. And once I realized that I had to share like with people, careful not to overshare, right? right, right. <laughs> but um, to share like what was a struggle for me, what was yeah. what was hard, what really got me down, what really lifted me up. Yeah. That invited people to yeah. share what was going on with them. It yeah. changed everything. Yeah. And so I think it's fear that prevents leaders from doing it. It's a lack yeah. of confidence because they think it's supposed to sound a certain way. Yeah. And so if I could just encourage yeah. people to just share, yeah. It it will make an enormous difference. Yeah. It will it will take you to a different level. I love it. Yeah, that's that's great advice. So uh, I want to jump back to our conversation about your your college dream and the NFL and owning an NFL team. So uh, I saw, uh, I can't remember where I saw it, but you said there are locker room moments in every day. Uh, yeah. Or there are locker room, maybe, yeah, there are locker room moments every day. T tell us about that and what does that mean? When I was a sports editor, uh, for a paper, and I also worked for the city paper. I got flown to an away football game to cover it, and I'm trying to make this this really short. But the, there, therein lies the point. I yeah. was the only female because yeah. it was a away game. There wasn't a, a universal place to be able to interview the coaches and players after the game. I had a deadline. I had to get back on a plane, and I needed a quote from the coach. I needed a quote quote from the player. Yeah. I asked people like, "Could you bring somebody out? Could you bring it?" And they and nobody came out. Nobody came out. So I went in, and I went into the locker room, and I got my quotes, and it created all kinds of turmoil and screaming and hollering and everything. But I got what I needed. Right. I got and I got the story done. And so my there are locker room moments in every single day. Are you going to sit back and just wait for things ha mm. to happen? Or are you going to go make it happen yeah. and get it done? Right? I are you going to use it as an excuse of why you can't make things happen? Or are you going to eliminate the excuses and get yeah. after it? Yep. Every day, it. there are yeah. locker room moments. So right. what's it going to be for you? I love it. Love it. Um, so, and, and that's probably a perfect segue to my next question. Cause you know, I would guess part of the reason that people struggle to, you know, have that locker room moment. You also, you also talk about, you know, listen, don't, 
Don't let a little doubt or ridicule stop you from going after what you want or need. I think that's what you just talked about. But mm -hmm. but that, you know, whether it's the worrying, letting negative thoughts come in, you know, worrying about things that are never going to happen. I think you said 97% of what we worry about never happens. That's amazing. But I think that's uh, absolutely true. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why do we let that doubt creep in and, and ridicule stop us from doing what we really believe is, is best? Yeah, we have well-worn told stories, you know, mm -hmm. well-worn grooves and yeah. stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah. And when you start to interrupt those stories and go, wait a second, what part of that is fact? What part of it is fiction? Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, oh, hey, guess what? I can I can tell myself a different story. Right. So right. why not tell yourself an empowering story? Right. And yeah. and use that to help you take the next step forward. So yeah. I think that's a that's a big piece. The other thing I would say around the doubt and the worry is we make things so big. Yeah. Right. We we talk about like the end result. Right. But if you can chunk it down all the all the way down to what am I willing to do right now that's going to just get me a little bit closer to that. Yeah. That can help remove some of that doubt and worry and help you get going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why I just thought of this, but I had a, there was a senior leader at Best Buy when I was there that used to talk about the danger of euphoric recall, you know, kind of remembering <laughs> things the way we want to remember them instead of uh, maybe how they actually really happened and, and how that can get in your way and, you know, progress. So, um, so one of the last things that I want to talk about, because I think it, it's a really, really powerful statement um, and quote of yours, and I want to spend as much time as you want to on it, but I, I think this is really powerful. Gain more by releasing control. What a what a powerful statement. So talk to me about that. I mean, uh, there's so much we could probably cover on that. Oh, yes. Well, I have uh, battle scars to... Uh... <laughs> To support this statement. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, so what I would say about this is to allow. Yeah. So many times we just hold on so tightly to beliefs, to what we think we can control when we actually can't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when you just let go. Yeah and allow things to emerge, to take shape, yeah. to identify, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do yeah. in this. And I'm not going to worry about the rest of the things yeah. you gain so much more. I mean, first yeah. of all, it's freeing as heck. Yeah. Right. And, and just that shift to allowing instead, like if you feel like you're forcing something, you're just, pushing, pushing, pushing up against something, right? And yeah. it's like, why won't this client say yes? Right. Why can't I get my kids to do this? Right. Like, let go. Yeah. Yeah. Allow what's supposed to come. And that really, like, I can't tell you, I have case study after case study. <laughs> people come back because sometimes people poo-poo me. Yeah. Like, Will you just be willing to try? Right. And what comes back is amazing. Yeah. And I would imagine it's really hard for some people. It's probably hard for everyone, but really hard for some people to just let go. So that, and and maybe this is the answer to the question, but I love to ask people this question. So I mentioned my daughter, she's, you know, 
just graduated from college about a year ago. She's early in her career. My son is in college, so he'll be starting his career. You know, what's one piece of advice that you'd give, you know, my son and daughter or anyone who's just either coming out of college or a trade school or out of high school, just starting their career? What's one piece of advice you'd give them? Have more fun. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I agree. Yeah. It just, yeah. don't take yourself so seriously. Yeah. I had a, you know, midlife crisis at 25 Hmm. of like, oh, I'm not as far along in my life as I thought I would be. And I'm not this and I'm not that. And it's like, oh, my goodness, I would tell anybody coming out, just have some more fun. Yeah. And, you know, explore. Right. Have fun, explore and realize that life is too short to work for assholes, right? So that's my favorite. Exactly. That's my favorite one. Bring it home. Bring it home. (laughs) So, uh, hey, I see your books in the background. Awesome uh, collection of books. Uh, Do you have a book or two that you'd want to recommend to people? Maybe something you've read recently or just one of your favorite go-tos on the topic that we've been talking about? Yeah, one um, one that I have read recently that I really like is called The Gap and the Gain. Um, by, I think it's Dan Sullivan. Last name is uh, Sullivan. It's, it's great. It's about happiness. It's about, you know, achieving goals. He's a, okay. I'll tell you, you know, he's a sports guy. He's got lots of sports examples and everything like that. So that speaks to me, but it's, it's, that's like a good universal one, no matter where you are in your career or whatever you you'll pull something out of the gap in the game. Yeah, no. Awesome. Well, I can't believe that we uh, went through uh, uh, a half hour again. Uh, I want to say thank you, Michael, for being a guest on the on the podcast. I really appreciate it. You shared a ton of really valuable takeaways for our listeners in both part one and part two. Uh, for those of you who didn't listen to part one, might not know Michael Kithcart, you need to. Uh, she is a excellent, if you're looking for an executive coach, if you need a keynote speaker, if you just want to talk to somebody who's a high energy, uh, very wise coach, uh, you'll want to look her up. So Michael, for people who don't know you, um, how can they find you? What's the best way to uh, to find you? Oh, thank you, Eric. So my website is michaelwkithcart.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-W. K-I-T-H-C-A-R-T. You can also find me on LinkedIn and I'm also on Instagram under Michael Kifkart. Awesome. Anything we didn't cover that you want to make sure we talk about before we wrap things up. But again, I I so appreciate your your time and sharing, uh, sharing your wisdom with us. Hey, everybody has the ability to redefine what success means to them and win your way. That's what I want to say. We're going to leave it right there. We're going to leave it right there. Perfect. Uh, Thank you to everyone who uh, tuned in and hope to join me next time for another episode of Rule Number Three, the podcast committed to an asshole-free workplace. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. Thanks. Thanks.